Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Yeah, we can clap. Thank you, Dwayne, for sharing that. A powerful story. You're going to hear a story just like that at the beginning in the coming weeks. Well, how is everyone? Doing good? Well, welcome to those of you in the room right here. Welcome to those of you joining us at one of our physical campuses at Raleigh or Apex or Garner or Morrisville. And welcome to those of you joining us online in the state, all over the United States, really all over the country. I actually heard two very similar stories this week, and it's amazing. It's two guys that are connected with our church, and uh, they were having some issues that included addiction, so they did the right thing. They got involved in a really healthy rehabilitation program. Uh, They went through it. They got back on their feet, and both of them told me this week two separate rehab facilities. Guess what we did on Sunday mornings at rehab? We watched Get Hope TV. So uh, what we do here on the weekends is having an impact all over the country. So if this is your first time joining with us, you picked a great week to join us because we are starting a brand new sermon series that we are calling Inside Out. And honestly, uh, I think this is probably a little overdue. Uh, We watched over the past 18 months as staff members here and really church staff all over the country as the stats on things like anxiety and anger and depression just kind of went up and to the right. Like they were skyrocketing. Uh, And that makes sense because after 2020 proved to be like the tipped over porta potty of a year that it was and all that stuff that happened, we expected for those statistics to go up. But we thought that as things begin to reopen and things like vaccines were available and people begin to go back to work, we expected a slight decline. But what we've seen is is a slowing, but still a rising of those statistics. In fact, uh, experts would say right now, let this sink in, that one out of every two people are struggling with an unaddressed emotional or mental issue. Just let that sit there. That means that you or the person that you're sitting beside right now has an unaddressed mental or emotional issue. That means that you or your roommate has an unaddressed mental or emotional issue. That means that you or your spouse has an, I see those elbows, all right? You're like, one of us is crazy. I know it's not me, okay, but it's true. Probably you or your spouse has an issue that you're just not addressing. And some of you are like, oh, I got an issue, but I am addressing it with a strict regimen of Coors Light and Netflix. That is, in and of itself, an issue that we are gonna talk about the fifth week of this series. And so what we wanna do is we wanna take those issues, those inward battles, those inner struggles, and bring them out into the light so we can talk about them and so we can take the first step towards freedom. So over the next five weeks, we're going to walk through what the Bible has to say about the most common mental and emotional struggles that we are having. And those issues are anxiety and then anger, depression, hurry or busyness, and, um, and depression. Uh, I'd already said that. And Addiction, that's the last one. I should know that because I'm preaching on it. Yes. So uh, we're going to address each of these issues in a very biblical and practical way. Now, we know 
there is no way that we can cover everything we need to cover on these topics in just 30 short minutes. So we have an amazing resource that we've provided for you. You can go to gethope.net slash inside out backslash forward slash whatever inside out. And uh, on that resource, there's going to be prayer prompts. Uh, there's going to be discussion questions that you can have with your family, that you can have with your small group. There's even going to be links to different blogs and different helpful resources like books and uh, podcasts and stuff like that. So uh, we want you to take it deeper. We want every single person in our church over the next five weeks to at some point go through that resource during the week and really hit these topics hard. And so uh, we're going to address each of these in a very biblical and practical way. I would encourage all of you to come to all five weeks. If you're online and you can, come in person and bring a friend. Don't just come uh, to the topics that affect you. I talked to a friend recently that said, before the pandemic, I really struggled with depression, but through hard work, with the help of my friends, with consistency, now I struggle with depression and anxiety, okay? If that's you, don't just come those two weeks because you have friends, you have family members, you have coworkers that God wants to use you to help them take their first steps to freedom, all right? We excited about these next five weeks? Good. So this week, we're gonna be addressing the most common struggle in the world right now, and that is the issue of anxiety. Uh, the official stats are general anxiety disorder, which we're gonna talk about in a second, affects 6.8 million people. On top of that, 6 million people also suffer from some form of a panic disorder, like PTSD. On top of that, 15 million adults suffer from uh, some sort of social anxiety. And probably the worst statistic of them all, 25.1% or more than a quarter of all students age 13 to 20 struggle with one form of anxiety or another. And those stats are from before 2020. And those have just risen the past 18 months. And so anxiety is very, very common. But as common as it is, not a lot of people have taken the time to sit down and really think through this issue of anxiety. So let me just give you a definition of anxiety. Oxford Dictionary says this. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about a future event or something with an uncertain outcome. So anxiety is basically the fear that something bad is going to happen in the future. And this has a mental component. It has an emotional component, but it also has a physical component. It makes your heart beat fast. It raises your blood pressure. It makes your muscles sore. It causes sleeplessness, right? But what we need to know is that this is not always a bad thing. One thing that you're going to see in the coming weeks is that some of these emotions actually have a good side as well as a bad side. So anxiety is actually a gift that God has given us to help us survive and thrive in a broken world. The good form of anxiety is what we call the fight or flight response. It's when something bad happens. It's when you're confronted with danger and your body just goes into panic mode and your heartbeat goes and your pupils dilate and you just get ready to take action. That is a good form of anxiety, all right? It is good that we duck when someone says duck. It is good that we rush to someone's aid in the middle of an emergency. It is good that we run out of burning buildings instead of just sitting in them saying, this is fine, this is fine, like the meme. It is good that we gasp at the sight of a gas station bathroom and say, I can hold it. I can hold it till I get home, okay? That's called concern. That's a good thing that's God's gift to us that helps us survive and thrive in a broken world, but when we begin to feel those same sort of emotions and that same physical reaction towards something in the future that hasn't happened yet, in fact, that may or may not happen, that's when anxiety turns bad. 
The most severe type of bad anxiety is what psychologists call general anxiety disorder, or GAD for short. They call it GAD. Everyone say GAD. Uh, you would be experiencing this, doctors would say, um, if you feel that pervasive sense of worry and panic for longer than six months, you have more bad days than you have good days, and it affects just your normal routines in life. And so your, your life is just characterized by the sense of fear and worry, and you can't do normal things, like go to your job, or go cook a meal, or go to the office, or even go to the grocery store. When uh, I was at a previous church, uh, I knew a couple that were newly married and they conceived, and they experienced a miscarriage, which is one of the worst things that you can ever experience. And so we walked them through that. Uh, shortly after that, they conceived again. Uh, but during this pregnancy, uh, the wife, the mom, was so scared she could barely get out of bed. Um, she was so afraid that she couldn't go to the grocery store. She couldn't even get in a car and drive because she thought she would accidentally do something to lose that baby as well. Now, eventually, she went to a psychologist. She got on some good medication, and she was able to walk out of that. But she was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. You see, this type of anxiety, it's not just a fearful thought, and it's not just that panic feeling, but on top of that, you have a chemical imbalance, okay? So the chemicals in your body are actually fighting against you. Now, if you get to this point, counseling and medicine is a really good option, okay? Now, I know there's some people in the room and watching online right now that are on one extreme or the other. Just a few of you. Some of you are psychology only. You like doctors and medicine. You want to read the Bible. That's fine. You're not going to like the last part of my message. But it, so there's some people that are Bible only. Don't go to counselors. Don't take medicine. Just pray it out. You don't like what I just said. We believe it's not an either or. It's a both and. We need a holistic approach to these things. And just like God gave us the gift of his word, he also gave us counselors and he also gave us medicine. So if you get to this point, medicine is a really good idea, but know this, medicine is not going to fix the issue entirely. There's no such thing as a magic pill. What the medicine does is it just gets you out of that panic paralysis where you're at mentally and physically. And so it just gets you to a point emotionally where you can get out of bed and go to the counseling and apply the principles and do the practices. And hear me say this, if you are suffering from that sort of anxiety, there is absolutely no shame at all. You're not weaker than, you were not less than. You saw Dwayne Calvin, one of my good friends and partner here at this church. Um, he is a big, strong man, okay? And not only that, he loves Jesus. He knows God's word. He is faithful. Uh, he believes wholeheartedly in the gospel, and he still struggles with this stuff. So you're not weaker than, you're not lesser than, and we want to help you. Um, if you're at this point and you don't know who to call, I would encourage you to gethope.net slash care, or you can email us at care at gethope.net, and we will find a counselor or a psychologist to recommend to you. And even, even if you're watching online, many of the psychologists here in this area also do online visits, okay? But most of us don't struggle from that type of severe chemical imbalance sort of anxiety. We can go to work. We can take care of the kids. We can make it through life. But that doesn't mean that we don't struggle with what the Bible calls worry. In fact, experts, and I would agree with them, say that this is the most anxious and the most fearful generation that the earth has ever seen. And it makes sense. With the events of the past two years, with the 24-hour news cycle, 
with the phones that we have in our pocket that alert us every single time there's a murder or a war or a famine or a storm or a hurricane or a new Cardi B song. Like we're just freaking out, okay? We are a worried generation. There's people that I'll just uh, hang out with and, and come away from thinking, man, they're just fearful people. There's something under the surface there. There's this, there's this ubiquitous tension in our culture where we're just always thinking, what's going to go wrong today? What's going to happen next? When's the bottom going to fall out? I'll talk to people on the phone, my relatives or friends, and my wife will say, how are they? And I'm like, I think they've been watching cable news for two weeks straight. And you can tell there's just fear in their voice. And I can see people in public, especially like college students that just go through the news pages or go through the social media and they just look up and there's terror in their eyes, right? I call it the fox face or the, the Twitter twitch, okay? Nothing rhymes with CNN. You can't place me politically. You're going to try. You're not going to be able to do it. But there's, there's fear for our country. Uh, there's fear about the pandemic. There's fear about international events. Uh, there's fear about government policies. There's fear about our physical safety. There's fear about the physical health of our relatives. There's just this sense of fear in our culture. But what I want you to know today is that that is not what God wants. The Bible says that we have not received a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. And what I hope that you'll see today is that Christians actually should be different. When everyone else is freaking out, and when everyone else is shaking and giving in to worry, Christians should stand out because of their steadiness, because of their consistency, and because of the peace that they have, which surpasses all understanding, which we'll come to at the end. So I want to take you uh, to Jesus' famous, uh, most famous teaching on this topic. It's in Matthew uh, chapter 6. You can turn there if you have a Bible. It'll be on the side screens or on the screen if you're watching online or at one of our campuses. Uh, Jesus talks about anxiety and worry a lot. This is just his longest teaching on it. There's no way we're going to go through everything here, but I just want to read the whole teaching, and hopefully you'll go back and read it later um, today. But it says this in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon was a famous king in the Old Testament. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There is a ton of stuff in here. But I just want to point out a few themes that we see in all of Jesus' teaching about worry. Uh, first, in this passage specifically, uh, Jesus uses a, a phrase three times. He says that when it comes to worry, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to fear, he says, don't do it. He says black and white three times, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, 
don't be anxious. You're like, that's great, Jesus. I don't want to be. I'm trying not to. This isn't very helpful. But here's why I point this out. Um, When Jesus tells us not to do something, what is that? What do we call that? And you can type it in online. You can just yell it out. There's 10 famous ones in the Old Testament. It's a command, okay? Now, what is it called when we break a command that Jesus gives us? Yes. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not talking about GAD. I'm not talking about general anxiety disorder. I'm not talking about PTSD. I'm not talking about anything with a chemical imbalance. But when it comes to what the Bible calls worry, fixating and thinking over and over about the potential of something bad happening in the future, Jesus says, it's a sin. It's a sin, and there's no way around that. It's black and white. Now, some of you might be a little uncomfortable with me saying that. Like, isn't saying anxiety is a sin just going to make it worse? Like, I'm already in panic. Now I feel shame, and now I feel guilt. But it's important that you need to hear this, because I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I'm not saying this to make you feel shame or guilt. I'm saying this to point you to the fact that worry and anxiety, it's not God's best for you that he has something better for you. I'm saying this to point out that anxiety and worry and fear is actually a tool that Satan uses to rob you of the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. He wants you to be free of it. And we have to get this because there's just something in American culture that just assumes worry is just gonna be a part of my life. I'm a parent, I'm just gonna worry. I'm a grandparent, I'm just gonna worry. I'm a college student or I'm an entrepreneur. Worry just comes with the territory. And because of that, we never have an intention to not do it. But what Jesus is saying is you do have a choice. He never commands us to do something that's that's impossible. Whatever he asks us to do, he provides us with the ability to do it. Because it's only when we begin to view worry for what it is as a sin that we'll begin to treat it like one. That will make it a priority that will take steps to stop doing it. That when we get in our small groups, like the hundreds of them that just started during Group Connect, that, that when we meet together and someone says, man, my marriage is suffering, can you pray for me? And you pray for them. And someone says, man, I am battling lust, I need your prayers, and you pray for them, then you can say, man, I am filled with anxiety and worry. And I need you to pray for me, I need you to partner with me. It's only when we see it as a sin that we're gonna, we're gonna get intentional and take steps to be free from it. So that's the first thing. The next thing Jesus says is that worry is completely unproductive. He says, which one of you by worrying can add a single span or a single day to their life? And what Jesus is saying here and elsewhere is that no one added a single day to their life or a dollar to their bank account or a letter to their grade by worrying. It's pointless. No one's ever come to me and said, Chase, I was broke and now I'm rich. How'd you get rich? I just laid in bed and worried about it for two weeks. Doesn't happen. No one said, I've been single for a minute. I'm looking for a spouse, and now I found the perfect one. What happened? I was playing video games on my couch and worrying about it. I got a knock on the door, and I got my spouse. Doesn't happen that way. It's pointless. It's absolutely useless. I say it's like the letter G in the word lasagna. It doesn't do anything, right? It's like Jason Gore's shampoo. That's a low blow, I know. But (laughs) he can give me back next time. Laying in bed worrying about something that may or may not happen is the absolute worst use of your time. Time spent worrying is wasted time. And not only is it unproductive, it's counterproductive. 
In the moments that we feel anxiety, those are usually the moments that we need to have a level head and make a wise decision. And anxiety stops us from doing that. Like if you're afraid of potentially losing your job in the future, that's when you need to calm down and get your resume together and update your LinkedIn profile. Is that still a thing, LinkedIn? Yeah, you do that, you make connections, and you put a plan in place. But anxiety stops you from being level-headed and making those calm decisions. Now, this happens to me all the time, and maybe you can relate. My wife and my family will go out to eat to a new restaurant uh, with some friends or some relatives, and there's 10 of us around a table sometimes. And so I've never been there before. I sit down, and the waiter comes up. What do you have to drink? I say water, and I start looking at the menu. There's like 124 items. So I start looking. I'm paying for this. I want to make the best choice possible. So I get a quarter of the way through the menu, and he's already taking orders. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are they getting? Oh, she's getting the chicken. He's getting the steak. That's a good choice. This one's getting the Cobb salad. And it comes to me. I'm like, I have no I'll get the chicken fingers. And the waiter walks away, and I'm like, I'm a grown man that just ordered chicken fingers with honey mustard because I let the anxiety get to me, you see? So anxiety robs us of the ability to make calm and level-headed decisions. And not only does it rob you of the ability to make wise decisions, it usually leads to foolish decisions. So anxiety about finances can lead to greed and to theft. Anxiety about um, a grade can lead to cheating. Anxiety about a relationship, I don't want to lose that girl, I don't want to lose that boy, can lead to compromise. You do things you never would before because you don't want to lose them because of that anxiety. So it's a complete waste of time. But I think the main thing that Jesus points out, not just here but in other teachings, he kind of pulls back the mask on what anxiety is. And really when you worry, what you're doing is you're acting as if God doesn't exist. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. In the original language, that's a noun. He's calling you, you're a little faither. Not a big faither, you're, you're a little faither. And what Jesus is saying here is when you lay in bed at night and you toss and turn, and you're fixated on this event that may or may not, not happen, and you get so worried and so fearful, what you're actually experiencing is a momentary bout of really spiritual and theological amnesia. You've forgotten this. When you lay at bed at night and you just worry and worry and worry yourself sick, what you're really doing is you're becoming a momentary atheist. You're living as if there is no God. Because what you're really saying when you're worrying is there is not a God, and if there is, he does not care about me. He's not gonna come to my aid. So I'm all alone. In fact, worry is worse than just saying God doesn't exist. What you're doing is you're taking him off of his throne and you're putting yourself in his place. And it's all up to me. That's why you're so tired. That's why your back hurts. That's why you can't sleep. That's why your heart is beating so fast because you are bearing the weight of the entire world and you were never meant to bear that weight. You were never meant to shoulder the weight of the decisions that your grown children are making right now. You were never meant to bear the weight of the future of an entire country. You were never meant to bear the weight of even providing for yourself your basic needs. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? Right? And that's what you're doing to yourself when you're worrying. You're acting as if God doesn't exist. Now that's bad. <laughs> that's not the way that God wants you to live. That is not the abundant life that Jesus came to bring you breaking his commandments, 
wasting your time living as if he doesn't exist. And so thankfully in his grace and his mercy, he has given us a really simple plan that we can put into place right now today to take steps out of our worry. And it's found in two simple verses, Philippians chapter four, verse six. And some of you love this verse, I know. Let me say, this is my life verse. If you're not a Christian or this is your first time in church, that's a weird saying. It just means it's our favorite verse. But when I read this, you're gonna say, this is too simple, it's too familiar, it's not gonna work, it does work, okay? Listen to this, this is what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, you might have heard this a hundred times. If this is brand new for you, it's better, okay? Because this is so simple, but it's profound. Paul starts where Jesus starts. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. What about my kids? Not about your kids. What about my relatives? Not about your relatives. What about your job? Not about your job. What about politics? Not about politics. What about the pandemic? Not about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Stop doing that and then start doing these things. Now, there's some, there's some theological words here, so I'm going to give you the chase version, all right? Here's the four steps to get free um, of our anxiety and our worry. Here's step one. Write down the root of your worries, okay? Write down the root of your worries. The weird thing about anxiety is that sometimes you don't even know you're having it. You don't even know that you're worrying. You just wake up, you're like, I'm tired. Why am I so grumpy? So it's important, because later we're going to have to give these requests to God, it's important to know and to write down the root of what you're worried about. So here's what I would recommend, honestly. Anytime you start to feel worried, anytime you start to feel that fear, just take out an index card, maybe uh, bring up an app, maybe just carry around a journal. Just carry around a worry journal and write down the root of the things that are causing you to worry. You got a, you got a to-do list you got a honey-do list, you got a grocery list, just get a worry list. Now, guys, that's not masculine, okay, to carry around a journal. So get a camo one, tell them it's your fantasy football league or something like that. But carry around something and make a list of these worries. And notice that I said, write down the root of your worries. Here's the crazy thing. Often what I think I'm worried about is not really what I'm worried about. <laughs> So what I would do is make a list of what you think you're worried about and then do something that counselors call the what-if game. Now that's kind of misnamed because it's not a fun game and there are no prizes, but here's what I mean. Write down what you're worried about and then ask this question, what if? What if that were to happen? So let's say I work in sales. I'm worried that I'm not gonna make my sales quota this month. Okay, what if you don't make your sales quota this month? Well, then I get a mark in my record. Okay, what if you get a mark in your record? Well, then the next time I don't make quota, my boss is going to fire me. Okay. What if your boss fires you? Well, then I won't have any money. <laughs> okay. What if you don't have any money? Well, I can't pay my bills. Okay. What if you can't pay your bills? Then I'll be homeless. Okay. What if you're homeless? Then I'll have to move back in with my parents. Okay. What if you have to move back in with your parents? My dad will be so disappointed. That's the root. You think it's about finances, but it's really about a people-pleasing thing about a father wound that you probably have. A lot of anxiety issues that parents have tend to revolve around giving up control. You can't control your kid the older they get. That's a natural part of life. A lot of anxiety about relationships have to do with shame. I'm afraid they'll see the worst of me, okay? So write down the root of your worries, and here's the second step. Give your worries to God. Paul says through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. 
And I love that word let, don't you? They want to get out. They're busting at the seams to get out. It's us that are keeping them inside. Like, we have a little dog. Uh, he's a miniature schnauzer. He's like seven years old. By the way, if anyone wants a free dog, come see me after service. been trying to get rid of this dog for five years. Don't tell my wife. But he's crate trained. So when I get home in the afternoons, I go upstairs, and he is like, he's scratching. He is raring to get out. All I have to do is unlatch it, and he's out. And isn't it weird that Paul has to command us to let our anxieties out? There's just something about the human heart inside of us that when we go to God in prayer and we just start to remember, oh yeah, this is the sovereign God of the universe. <laughs> He's keeping the stars and the planets in, 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 in place. There's just something that happens that when we get before this great big God, these worries that we thought were large just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And sometimes it's easier to pray for other people than it is for ourselves. That's why he commands us to do it. We think they're small, but they're not. First Peter says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We're commanded in Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And it's this amazing, but it's this true thought that the sovereign God of the universe, the one who created, the one who's upholding it, who's making sure that there's not a single electron that moves out of its orbit, that when you go to him in prayer, he says, sit down, sit down. I want to hear about what's going on. Not about other people. Tell me. You're worried about finances? What about, talk to me. Let's have a conversation because I love you and I care for you and I want to help you. And what you're doing in that moment when you just give God your anxieties, you're doing two things. You're taking yourself off the throne and you're putting God back up there. And then you're taking all those things on your worry list and you're putting them on God's to-do list. And now it's up to him. Now it's his job. And once you do that, don't take them back. And you're going to want to. After you go to God and you write a list and you give him your worries, the next day you're probably going to worry about the same thing. And you're going to get out your worry journal and write that down. But you need to say, no, 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 that was from last week. That's not my job anymore. That's God's job. He's going to take it. He might not be handling like I want. He might not be doing it the way that I would do it. But it's his job now. So that's the second step. Here's the third one. Remember God's faithfulness. I love that word, with thanksgiving. You know what the most common command in the whole Bible is? It's do not fear. So anxiety and worry is a big deal. You know what the second most common command in the Bible is? Remember. And I think those two go together. That fear will just flee when you spend time remembering God's past faithfulness. So after you give him your worries, just thank him. God, I'm so worried about these finances, but I remember that you have come through 18 other times, and I want to thank you for that. God, I'm so worried about this decision, but I just want to thank you for the 300 times that you have led me and you have guided me. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, for this. And then the last step is receive the peace of God. This comes from verse 7 where it says, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and then God will give you his peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Now, that sounds like a good thing, and it is a good thing, but you might not realize how good of a thing that is. Because if I'm honest, that's not the way that I would have written verse 7. If I was like an editor of the book of Philippians, I'm not, but if I was, that's when I would have taken out my red pen and kind of circled that. I would have, I would have written it differently. You know how I would have written it? I would have said, 
Don't be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God, and then God will give you what you request. Ask God for what you need, and then God will give it to you. But that's not what it says. It says he may give it to you. He may not give it to you, but he will give you peace. And that's such a huge statement. Going back to what Jesus said earlier, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Look at the birds. They don't store up. They don't worry about food, and yet God feeds them, and he does. But, I mean, let's be honest. Birds do die, right? Like bird death is a thing. You, don't, you can laugh. You don't have to take this seriously. It's a weird point in the sermon to make. Birds do die. Like in the history of birds, I'm sure that some of them have like overheated. Some of them have done that kamikaze thing where they hit the window and they fall on the ground, right? Some of them maybe freeze to death. Some of them got hit by a car. But some of them have probably starved, right? Maybe there's a birdologist in here that wants to correct me. But that does happen. Listen, it may be that God's good and loving plan, <laughs> the diagnosis that the doctor comes back and it's not what you want. Or it may be that in God's good and loving plan that he's orchestrating for his glory and for your good that the grade comes back and it's bad. Or that that job prospect comes back and you didn't get it. But that doesn't stop you from having peace. Rock, solid, steady peace. It's what makes this peace beyond understanding. See, there has to come a moment when you're talking to God about your worries or your anxieties where you just kind of, you just kind of talk to your soul. You ever do this? David does it all the times in, in the Psalms where you just say, hey soul, I know you're so worried and I don't know what to say. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if we're gonna avoid this. I don't know what we're gonna have to endure, but I know one thing. I know the character of the one who is in control of my future. There's a lot of things that I don't know, but I do know that the one that holds me in the palm of his hand with all of my hopes and all of my dreams and all of my fears and all of my worries is the same God who gave his one and only son, who gave his very best to provide what I needed exactly when I needed it. And he is a God who has never come up unfaithful. He's provided for me time and time time and time again. And because he's in control and because I know his character, I can have peace. Come what may. You see, freedom from anxiety doesn't come because your future is free from hardships. Freedom from anxiety comes because your future is in God's hands, right? I was, uh, I was so proud of that statement. <laughs> I wrote it like two weeks ago and I was scrolling through Facebook a few nights ago and you know those cheesy, like, Christian inspirational quotes? One came up, and it says, it's not what your future holds, but it's he who holds your future. And I was like, oh, I peaked. Like, I am the level of cheesy inspirational quote guy. But it's true, right? It's absolutely true. And so what we want to do in the next few minutes is give you time just to think about this and to process this. We don't want you to leave here unchanged. So in the coming moments, uh, we're going to put some questions on the screen, like we did a few series ago. And I want you to answer these questions honestly. And I want you to speak with God. And afterwards, we're gonna come out and we're gonna pray for you. And we're gonna pray that, that chains will come loose, that bonds will be broken, that, that some of you will take that first step out of bondage 
and you'll just feel that, that peace that only God can give. So turn your attention to the side screens. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.